Welcome back to Become a Media Maven. This is the final day of the Atomic Habits series. This one's gonna be a little longer because I'm not just gonna go through, I am gonna go through the fourth law, but then there's a little bit more after the fourth law that I will wrap up. So kind of like the first episode was a little longer because I gave you some intro. I'm gonna give you some outro here and just finish up the book. So instead of making this six episodes, I'm just gonna make it five. The last one here will be applying atomic habits in business. And then uh, we're going to be done with the podcast for a bit. Okay? Let's make it satisfying. This is the fourth law, the fourth and final law. We're more likely to repeat a behavior when the experience is satisfying. This is entirely logical. Feelings of pleasure, even minor ones, like washing your hands with soap that smells nice and lathers well, are signals to tell the brain this feels good. Do this again next time. Pleasure teaches your brain that a behavior is worth remembering and repeating. What's rewarded is repeated and what is punished is avoided. You learn what to do in the future based on what you were rewarded for doing or what you were punished for doing in the past. Positive emotions cultivate habits. Negative emotions destroy them. The first three laws of behavior change make it obvious, make it attractive, and make it easy. Increase the odds that a behavior will be performed this time. This fourth law of behavior change, make it satisfying, be repeated next time. It completes the habit loop. But there's a trick. We're not looking for just any kind of satisfaction. We are looking for immediate satisfaction. You value the present more than the future. Usually this tendency serves us well. A reward that is certain right now is typically worth more than one that is merely possible in the future. But occasionally, our bias towards instant gratification causes problems. Once you understand how the brain prioritizes rewards, the answers become clear. The consequences of bad habits are delayed while the rewards are immediate. Every habit produces multiple outcomes across time. Unfortunately, the outcomes are misaligned. With our bad habits, the immediate outcome usually feels good, but the ultimate outcome feels bad. With good habits, it's the reverse. The immediate outcome is unenjoyable, but the ultimate outcome feels good. Put another way, the cost of your good habits are in the present. The cost of your bad habits are in the future. The brain's tendency to prioritize the present moment means you can't rely on good intentions. So when you make a plan to lose weight, write a book, or learn a language, you're actually making plans for your future self. And when you envision what you want your life to be like, it's easy to see the value in taking actions with long-term benefits. We all want better lives for our future selves. However, when we are in the moment of decision arriving, instant gratification wins. You're no longer making a choice for future you who dreams of being fitter or wealthier or happier. You are choosing present you who wants to be full and pampered and entertained. Our preference for instant gratification reveals an important truth about success. Because of how we're wired, most people will spend all day chasing quick hits of satisfaction. The road less traveled is the road of delayed gratification. If you're willing to wait for the rewards, you'll face less competition and often get a bigger payoff. As the saying goes, the last mile is always the least crowded. 
This is precisely what research has shown. And this is why immediate rewards are essential. They keep you excited while the delayed rewards accumulate in the background. The more a habit becomes part of your life, the less you need outside encouragement to follow through. Incentives can start a habit, but identity sustains a habit. That said, it takes time for the evidence to accumulate and a new identity to emerge. Immediate reinforcement helps maintain motivation in the short term while you're waiting for the long-term rewards to arrive, but we have to be patient. Making progress is satisfying, and visual measures like moving paper clips or hairpins or marbles provide clear evidence of your progress. As a result, they reinforce your behavior and add a little bit of immediate satisfaction to any activity. Visual measurement comes in many forms, food journals, workout logs, loyalty punch cards, the progress bar on a software download, even the page numbers in a book. But perhaps the best way to measure your progress is with a habit tracker. When you look at the calendar and see your streak, you'll be reminded to act again. Research has shown that people who track their progress on goals like losing weight, quitting smoking, and lowering blood pressure are all more likely to improve than those who don't. One study of more than 1,600 people found that those who kept a daily food log lost twice as much weight as those who did not, and the mere act of tracking a behavior can spark the urge to change it. Habit tracking keeps you honest. Most of us have a distorted view of our own behavior, and we think we act better than we actually do. When the evidence is right in front of you, you are less likely to lie to yourself. So in summary, habit tracking, one, creates a visual cue that can remind you to act. Two, is inherently motivating because you see the progress you're making and you don't want to lose it. And three, feels satisfying whenever you record another successful instance of your habit. Furthermore, habit tracking provides visual proof that you are casting votes for the type of person you wish to become, which is a delightful form of immediate and intrinsic gratification. The first mistake is never the one that ruins you. It's the spiral of repeated mistakes that follows. Missing once is an accident. Missing twice is the start of a new habit. This is a distinguishing feature between winners and losers. Anyone can have a bad performance, a bad workout, or a bad day at work. But when successful people fail, they rebound quickly. The breaking of a habit doesn't matter if the reclaiming of it is fast. I think this principle is so important that I'll stick to it even if I can't do a habit as well or as completely as I'd like to do. Too often, we fall into an all-or-nothing cycle with our habits. The problem isn't slipping up. The problem is thinking that if you can't do something perfectly, then you shouldn't do it at all. We focus on working long hours instead of getting meaningful work done. We teach for standardized tests instead of emphasizing learning, curiosity, and critical thinking. In short, we optimize for what we measure. When we choose the wrong measurement, we get the wrong behavior. This is sometimes referred to as Goodhart's Law. Named after the economist Charles Goodhart, the principle states, when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. Measurement is only useful when it guides you and adds context to a larger picture, not when it consumes you. Each number is simply one piece of feedback in the overall system. In our data-driven world, we tend to overvalue numbers and undervalue anything soft and difficult to quantify. 
We mistakenly think the factors we can measure are the only factors that exist. But just because you can't measure something doesn't mean it's the most important thing. And just because you can't measure something, that also doesn't mean it's not important at all. Just as we're more likely to repeat an experience when the ending is satisfying, we're also more likely to avoid an experience when the ending is painful. Pain is an effective teacher. If a failure is painful, it gets fixed. If a failure is relatively painless, it gets ignored. The more immediate and more costly a mistake is, the faster you will learn from it. We repeat bad habits because they serve us in some way, and that makes them hard to abandon. The best way I know to overcome this predicament is to increase the speed of the punishment associated with the behavior. There can't be a gap between the action and the consequences. Thankfully, there's a straightforward way to add an immediate cost to any bad habit. Create a habit contract. Just as governments use laws to hold citizens accountable, you can create a habit contract to hold yourself accountable. A habit contract is a verbal or written agreement in which you state your commitment to a particular habit and the punishment that will occur if you don't follow through. Then, you find one or two people to act as your accountability partners and sign off on the contract with you. Let's revisit how to create a good habit to make it satisfying. You use reinforcement. Give yourself an immediate reward when you complete your habit. Make doing nothing enjoyable. When avoiding a bad habit, design a way to see the benefits. Use a habit tracker. Keep track of your habit streak and don't break the chain. Never miss twice. When you forget to do a habit, make sure you get back on track immediately. And if you want to break a bad habit, get an accountability partner. Ask somebody to watch your behavior. Create a habit contract. Make the costs of your bad habits painful and public. Now I'm going to go through some advanced tactics. And at the very end of this episode, I will read you all of the laws of creating a good habit and breaking a bad habit. I will go back to that and sum it all up nicely. The areas where you are genetically predisposed to success are the areas where habits are more likely to be satisfying. The keys to direct your effort toward the areas that both excite you and match your natural skills to align your ambition with your ability. The obvious question is, how do I figure out where the odds are in my favor? How do I identify the opportunities and habits that are right for me? And the first place we look for an answer is by understanding your personality. The most proven scientific analysis of personality traits is known as the Big Five, which breaks them down into five spectrums of behavior. One, openness to experience, from curious and innovative on one end to cautious and consistent on the other. And then there's conscientious, organized and efficient to easygoing and spontaneous. Extroversion, outgoing and energetic to solitary and reserved or extroverts and introverts. Agreeableness, friendly and compassionate to challenging and detached. And then you have being anxious and sensitive or being confident, calm, and stable. There's a version of every habit that can bring you joy and satisfaction, so find it. Habits need to be enjoyable if they're going to stick. This is the core idea behind the fourth law. You just have to pick the right habit and progress is easy, but if you pick the wrong habit, you're likely to struggle. So here are some questions to ask yourself. What feels like fun to me, but work to others? What makes me lose track of time? Where do I get greater returns than the average person? 
and what comes naturally to me. Your focus narrows, distractions fade away, and you find yourself fully invested in the task at hand, okay? This is a challenge of just manageable difficulty, and it's a prime example of the Goldilocks rule. The Goldilocks rule states that humans experience peak motivation when working on tasks that are right on the edge of their current abilities. Not too hard, not too easy, just right. So when you're starting a new habit, you want to keep the behavior as easy as possible so you can stick with it, even when conditions aren't perfect. But once a habit has been established, it's important to advance it in small ways. And these little improvements and new challenges will keep you engaged. And if you hit the Goldilocks zone just right, you can achieve a flow state. And that is the experience of being in the zone and fully immersed in an activity. Scientists have tried to quantify this feeling, and they found that to achieve a state of flow, a task must be roughly 4% beyond your current ability. So we got to push here a little bit, people. Now, the upside of habits is that we can do things without thinking. The downside of habits is that you get used to doing things a certain way and stop paying attention to little errors. You assume you're getting better because you're gaining experience, but in reality, You're merely reinforcing your current habits and not necessarily improving them. In fact, some research has shown that once a skill has been mastered, there's usually a slight decline in performance over time. So what you need is a combination of automatic habits and deliberate practice. So the solution to this is to establish a system for reflection and review. With the four laws of behavior change, you have a set of tools and strategies that you can use to build better systems and shape better habits. Sometimes a habit will be hard to remember and you'll need to make it obvious. Other times you won't feel like starting and you'll need to make it attractive. In many cases, you may find a habit will be too difficult and you'll need to make it easy. And sometimes you won't feel like sticking with it and you'll need to make it satisfying. Tiny changes, remarkable results. And that is my highlighted, covered in post-its version of Atomic Habits. I hope you enjoyed listening to it with me. That's the third time I've consumed that information, or I guess I consumed it while I was sharing it with you. And I'm not going to lie, some of it I didn't remember, even though that was the third time I was repeating it, either in my mind or out loud. So if you have been here with me for this four-part series, thank you very much. Part five, which is the last part and is coming soon, is my notes and lessons for using atomic habits in business. Now, unlike the first four parts, this is not something I've read before. This is going to be new from James Clear. This is one of the book bonuses. So I'm going to go through that with my highlighter and my post-it notes. And I'm going to bring that to you. And then I'm going to take a break from the podcast. I'm going to do some other things. I'm going to focus on some other things. But I appreciate you being here and listening to me all these weeks for all these years.